What's up, guys? This is PC, and this is your backstage pass to the Green Room Podcast Series. What's up, guys? This is PC, and our guest today is an educator from West Potomac High School, Ms. Melinda Hedenberg. Melinda, what's happening? Good morning. How are you, TC? I'm doing awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining us here. And before we even get started here on this podcast, we're just going to jump right into a pop quiz here. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready to go. Okay, here we go. Favorite book? So I'm an English teacher, so favorite book is actually a really hard question. Um, I love teaching of mice and men. I love teaching Romeo and Juliet. Um, I also do an awesome unit with night and personal memoirs. Um, but my favorite book to read for myself, I've read Tuesdays with Maury over and over and over again, and I cry every time. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Okay. Uh, biggest influence on your educational career? So that's an easy one. The biggest influence on my career probably would be my family. Um, I come from, uh, you know, all teachers. My my parents were teachers. My grandparents were teachers. I really didn't know that you could have a career outside of school when I was younger. I just always knew I was going to be a teacher. I love it. That's so cool. So favorite teacher and why? So I was fortunate to have a lot of great teachers in elementary school. Um, and, and that was a great foundation for me. Mrs. Dressel, my second grade teacher, she was just like Mary Poppins. She was perfect in every way. And then my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Abramson, he saw something in me and encouraged me and, and, and told me I was a great writer and I was a good reader. He really built up my confidence and I needed that at that time. So those are my two favorite teachers, I would have to say. I love it. Okay, favorite musical artist? That's that is a tough one because I listen to all kinds of music. But if I if I want to get pumped up and get ready and and get excited, I gotta go with my girl Beyonce. I I just have to. It, it she brings out the inner diva in me, and I just I feel it. So for some reason, I'm not surprised by that answer. <laughs> that's great. I love it. And last one, celebrity crush. Um, besides Mike Smith. <laughs> yeah, Mike doesn't count. Bes no, Mike doesn't count. Besides <laughs> you, I, the, yeah, I don't know. Um, let's see. I don't know. I can't. I can't go with a, a cliche Brad Pitt or anything. Because honestly, I I admire more female actors and and artists. Um, so I, I would say with any powerful female artist. Love it, man. That's so cool. Okay, so tell us about your educational career and what led you to your current spot right now at West Potomac High School. So I moved down to Northern Virginia about 10 years ago, and I was teaching at a middle school, a private school, and I decided to make the jump to public school. And um, so I was hired as an English teacher at a school in Fairfax County. And I was there for eight years, and I, I built that Renaissance program from the ground up. Um, and it was a great experience. That It was during that time that I was honored with the Educator of the Year in 2015. Um, and so after that, um, the people that were attending the conferences that I was speaking at were also from you know my school district. And one principal approached me and said, you got to come to my school. I need you to come to my school and do this do this with my staff and my students. And at first I said no, because I couldn't, I didn't feel like I was ready to leave um, my school yet. But last year I finally made the jump 
and realized that I needed to see how another school operated. And I really wanted to see if I could build another program, not identical, but if, if Renaissance really could work anywhere with any group, any staff, any, any group of students. Um, so I've been here for two years now and we're still building our program. So along those same lines, anytime that you're implementing change, it's tough and it's loaded with challenges and adversity. And so you've gone through that process, especially right now when you've come to West Potomac. What advice would you give to teachers that are trying to implement and spearhead change in their buildings? That's a great question. So first I would say don't be discouraged. It's going to take some time. It's not um, going to be an overnight thing. Um, helping people understand the why behind Renaissance is really important. Uh, it can't feel like just another thing dumped on their plate um, because that's what they're going to feel like right away. Um, so the, the more that you can explain to them or teach them and incorporate them and show them the why, um, the, the more buy-in you'll get. And also, I think each decision you make or each initiative, even the core team members that you place on your team uh, who are leading the change, it all has to be purposeful and intentional. Not perfect, but at least at my schools, we don't we don't have the time or the luxury to just throw stuff you know at the wall and see what sticks. You have to aim for the bullseye. So each piece of your program, well, it doesn't have to be perfect out of the gate, it should be presented and executed in such a way that those that are out on the fringe or all those naysayers, you know, are intrigued. And eventually they decide to come in because, you know, they're the only ones left on the outside. You know, then they start feeling, you know, the pressure because they're the only ones not doing it. Um, and so they have no choice but to stop being resistant to the change and, and join in. That's awesome, man. So along those same lines, then a brand new school that's just been introduced to Renaissance how do they start? Like, what, what would be the best first step that you would say, like, how do we get started with this? I would say um, educate yourselves, attend some trainings, and really get a good, you know, handle on what it is first. You know, at, at both schools, uh, we spent a year just learning and planning um, and really figuring out, you know, what Renaissance is, and then, you know, how, how does that, what does that look like at this school? How is that going to fit, you know, so that it isn't just another, you know, initiative, you know, you know, placed on us. Um, it's, it's, you've got to take your time and, and really think it through so that when you do have your rollout and you, you do, you know, start that first initiative, you know, you know exactly how it's going to happen. You know exactly what you're doing and it's very purposeful. Exactly. So you've been heavily involved with Renaissance for a number of years. Like you said, you were the 2015 Jocelyn's Renaissance Educator of the Year. What led to you getting involved with Renaissance and then how has it impacted your career as an educator? So it was a funny story. I was the SGA sponsor at my former school. And so I was teaching leadership and I was in charge of, you know, homecoming and all that kind of fun stuff. And one day uh, my former principal said, uh, make us a Renaissance school. And I said, a what? <laughs> you want me to do what? You know, I thought it was just another program or initiative that we would adopt and then throw away, you know, a one and done. Or it was another one of these like bandwagon, you know, educators uh, were jumping on to get that quick fix for their school. And I, I realized that it, was, it just wasn't like that at all. It was the opposite. So I went to every conference that I could. 
And I started bringing my SGA students. And before long, we had a full-blown program with a catchphrase and a logo and funding. And then we started seeing a significant changes in our school culture and incredible improvement in student behavior and in academic achievement. So while there are many factors that contribute to those things at a school, it, it just was too much of a coincidence for me to ignore. So when I saw the power of this, then I really put, you know, kicked it into high gear. Um, as an educator, I feel like because of Renaissance, I view teaching differently. I view discipline and, and preventing you know, discipline incidents in a totally different way. I see school leadership in a new, new light. Uh, it just has completely opened up so many doors for me, not, not just because of the people that I've met or the opportunities like to speak, like this opportunity to talk to you, um, but it's opened my mind to a new way of doing school and inspired me to be the teacher that I didn't have myself as a student and, and to be the administrator that I, I never had in school. Um, my goal now is to have my own Renaissance school one day and, and share this you know, mantra with you know, as many other schools and educators that will listen to me. So thank you for helping me do that. For sure, man, that's so cool, I love it. And, and you talk about like the people that you get to meet along the way. And I think that's just so, so powerful because there's so many just rock star educators, especially that are involved with the Renaissance. And so, yeah, to have that professional learning community that you can bounce ideas off of or share frustrations with or whatever's going on, like it's just so powerful. Totally. I mean, a lot of times you feel like you're, you're on an island and you're the only one out there. And um, you, I mean, the reality is you're not, even though you might be you know, across the country. I've got Renaissance family out in California now. And all you know, all over the the country here. And I've always leaned on my my regional, my my Jocelyn's Renaissance Mid Atlantic Collaborative. We're our own Renaissance family, and and always help each other out. I love it, man. So Renaissance, it's all about creating positive culture and climate in our schools. And I think that a lot of times teachers don't really understand the actual impact that they can make on the climate of the schoolhouse. And a lot of times it's seen as like, well, that's the principal's job or the administration's duty to do that. But talk a little bit about the role of teachers in both establishing and then also in maintaining a positive climate on campus. You know, it's so funny that you asked me this because I've been reading um, school climate uh, books lately. Um, and I really I'm starting to think that the school climate really starts in the classroom um, that classroom environment. And, you know, mixed with all the other classroom environments significantly contribute to the overall school climate and the school culture. I mean, the relationships that are built in that space and those classrooms really make a difference, not just with their students. We often forget that the relationships between the adults in the building are, are even more powerful. It's that example that we set for our students, for parents, for, for visitors to our buildings. It really shows what your school is about and sets the tone for others to follow. It's not about instruction at that point. It's not about the teaching. You could have the best lesson, but if you don't have a relationship with your students, it won't work as well. You know, and that relationship is really creating that, that climate. You could be an outstanding school leader, but without the relationships, your staff's not going to follow you. So I really think that at the heart of it all, of school climate, it's, it's the relationships and building them in the classroom. That's where it starts. I love it, man. Powerful, powerful answer. That's very good. Talk a little bit about one or two of your favorite ideas that you've implemented during your career. 
All right. So I have, I have two great ones. The one is that I've used at both schools is a token reward system. It's a positive behavior approach to reward and recognize and reinforce either positive behavior, improvement in behavior, or um, academic success or improvement in academics. So it's basically a slip of paper that, that's used as money. And when students earn them and show positive behavior or academic excellence, they can then go and redeem them or in the school store and get school spirit wear, um, you know, candy, food, um, all kinds of stuff. Or they could enter them in a raffle. There's all kinds of things that we can do with those tokens. You know, but the basic premise is it gives teachers in that school building a universal tool to reward and recognize and reinforce, you know, these are our school values and this is what's important, you know, whatever your behavior expectations are, you know, and of course academic success, but even improvement, you know, deserve to be rewarded and, and reinforced. So um, that created a universal system for all teachers to use. Um, and it was really, it was really successful and students loved it. They, they loved feeling like that connection with the teacher and that they, you know, noticed that, you know, that my teacher saw me doing that and noticed that I did a good job. And, and so it just encouraged them to, to stay motivated and keep doing it. Um, the other uh, idea that I had that I actually, I stole from another school. Of course, everything's, you know, beg, borrow and steal. Um, but I saw another school did a really cool photo series with all of their like top athletes. And so they were in all these like dramatic poses and it was, you know, the interesting lighting and they're in their uniforms. It looked like game day and, you know, they were about to step on the field and they used these, these pictures and posters and advertisements on the website. And I thought, that's great. What about all the other student leaders? What about everybody else? What about, you know, the kids that aren't on the football team, that aren't a cheerleader and, you know, don't run track? So at, at West Potomac, I started the recognition photo series. And, you know, I do round after round after round of, you know, I do the, the athletes, but I also do all of our student government, student leaders and, and other, you know, student leader voices, all clubs, organizations, all of the honor, site, honor societies, everybody is included in this photo series and they, they're all on our website. Um, and we've gotten a lot of compliments, not just on like, oh, this is a really cool thing that, you know, you have all these different things available at your school, but you know, it puts all students in the spotlight, you know, not just the athletes and the athletes are doing a great thing for our school and they're working hard, you know, but so are national honor society students, you know, they're working hard too. So they deserve to have, be, have their moment in the spotlight too. I love that. That's so cool. And so do you take all those pictures yourself or does that, I know you guys have a photography class on campus, right? Yeah. So sometimes I use um, the, the photography or my journalism students here, but I also reach out to, um, you know, the school photography company that comes and takes, you know, yearbook photos and stuff like that. Um, and they do it for free. Um, so it, it, it's another great idea because it doesn't cost any money <laughs> and they send us the pictures electronically and then we can use them however we want. And that they belong to us. So it's, yeah, it's great. That's big time. Love that. As a teacher, your administrator plays a key role in determining the level of success that you have and your overall experience at the school. So talk a little bit from a teacher's perspective of what you want and what you need from your building's leadership. Good question. So glad you asked. Um, in the past year, just myself, um, I've had six principals, six different principals, and six different assistant principals overseeing my teaching and my programs. 
So first, I think the obvious answer is consistency. And while I can't say that, you know, once you become a principal, you have to stay in that position, you know, for the rest of your career, you know, I can't blame anyone for moving on to a new position. But in that transition, you know, in passing the torch, right, uh, relaying the school culture piece is really important. Um, not just for the new school leader stepping, you know, and, and sitting in that chair at that desk in the principal's office then after you, but it, it's for the entire school community. It's for the staff and the students. That, that consistency really can make or break a program. Um, also the backing and, and support, and I, I'm not talking about financially, um, not just with telling teachers, you must do Renaissance and, and here's how we're doing it, so you must do it. It's now part of your professional responsibilities. I mean by incorporating Renaissance in everything that you do. And it can be as simple as just saying the words, reward, respect, recognition, reinforce, just saying those words will show your staff and send a message and to your students as well, that those things are important and this is what we value and this is how we do things. Um, also support means, you know, empowering those teacher leaders and your students to make decisions about, you know, how Renaissance works at your school. Um, and, and allowing students to make those decisions is really key too, because once they embrace it and it's theirs, it'll keep going. Um, sending people to conferences and not just the same uh, folks over and over and over again, really, you know, sharing the love and, and spreading it around. Again, being strategic and purposeful, it's at the same time, it's really supportive and it'll just continue to help your program grow and, and, and get deeper roots. Once those roots are there, you know, whether you're at that school or not, you know, that Renaissance, you know, mantra, that Renaissance way will stay. I love it. So talk a little bit about how you set up Renaissance. And, and so, of course, you've been at the two different schools now. Do you include students like on a committee or like how do you do that? So I do it a couple of ways. At, at my former school, we we used and relied on the student government association, the student leaders, and uh, we had two leadership classes. So we relied on those groups of students um, heavily. They were our worker bees. Um, they they ran the program that from everything, you know, cutting up the the tokens and the rewards and and setting up the school store, uh, everything. They totally embraced it. We then started to realize that because they were in charge of it and it, it then became associated with SGA and became an SGA thing. So I had to be more purposeful in the later years in that program to be reaching out to other leadership groups um, and, and pull them into it as well to give them a piece of it and have, you know, give them some ownership so it was not perceived as, oh, that's just an SGA thing. Um, we're struggling with that right now here at my, my current school um, and we're trying to spread it around to other student leadership groups. We have a strong Hispanic leadership. Uh, we have a black student union. We have our SGA. We have other student leadership groups that, you know, are interested and in see what's happening and they want to be a part of it. So we're trying to spread that around to make sure that everybody's included and involved. Um, so really, it's, it's key to have the students and any student leadership group. Um, and as for the educators, we try to build a core team that has representatives from every department so that there's a voice from every department and then they can go back to their departments and then, you know, share what's happening and, you know, work with their teams in that way. Gotcha. What about with at-risk students? Have you used any of them in the past or what have you done to get them involved? So while I haven't 
like intentionally sought out any high risk students. Um, unfortunately, sometimes those those students are the ones that that don't have a free elective or they, they don't have the time in the school day um, because there are there are other interventions happening with them, either academically or behaviorally. Um, but I have found that once the program is up and running and solid, you know, the students recruit on their own. It just goes by word of mouth, right? So I, I did have in my later years at my former school, um, some, some students who typically weren't your stereotypical SGA student coming on board, seeing what we were doing and saying, this is really cool and I want to do this now. And it, I think for them, changed how they approach school and it brought a different perspective into our student leader group because now they had a representative voice. Um, so while I can't say that I purposely sought them out, um, now that you asked me that, I wish I had. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just something I always like to think about is like, how do we make sure that it's as inclusive as possible. And that's a question that I get asked a lot is how do we set this up from our student perspective? And so I know there's some schools, like you said, that do it out of student council. And then there's some schools that don't. And so I just enjoy hearing the different perspectives of how it works at each school. So moving on, um, establishing and maintaining the school climate. It's a full-time job in its own right on top of all the other duties and details that you have as an educator, how do you balance your role with school climate, with your role as a classroom teacher, with your role as a mother and a wife at home? You make me sound amazing. <laughs> I do all these things. Uh, well, I first recognize that I'm not perfect. It, and, you know, I mess up every once in a while. I'm just, you know, I try and be a little bit better today than I was yesterday, do a little bit better job today than I did, you know, yesterday. And if I keep moving forward like that, I'm, I'm pleased with myself. But I mean, time management is key and planning ahead is essential. You know, I'm not a fly by the seat of my pants kind of girl. Um, I try to stay mindful and in the moment I stay focused. So when I'm with my children at home, I'm, I'm not thinking about school. I'm with them. I'm playing with them and I'm focused on them. When I'm teaching in my classroom, I am 100% with my students in my role as an educator and so on and so forth. And so that way I think the people around me know that when they're with me, they've got all of me in that time that we're together and they never have to feel like, you know, they have to share me. You know, I do try and make a little bit of time for myself. There's not much left, but you know, I, I enjoy being at school. I'm passionate about, you know, teaching. And so I, I love being at school and what I do. You know, obviously I love my children. And I love spending time with them. So that's what I do. Gotcha. Great answer. What advice would you give to aspiring educators as they enter their first year in the classroom? So I wish somebody had told me my first year of teaching, you know, rather than, you know, just copying some other teacher and, and, following their style and doing everything they do. Just, you got to find your own. You, you've got to really figure out your own style and, and how things work for you. Because I, I adopted, you know, the, the previous English teacher's way and, and it didn't work. It didn't fit with me. And, you know, I couldn't understand why. Um, so I would say try, you know, a new strategy and, you know, learn about different teaching techniques and, and tricks and stuff like that. You know, try out a lesson and focus on that and make it work for you. Make it better and, and polish it 
and make it great that year, you know, and then the next year tackle something else. You don't have to do it all at once. Um, as cliche as it sounds, like don't sweat the small stuff. You're going to be fine. The students are going to be fine. The parents will be fine. You know, if you enjoy being with the students and you love what you do, the rest will all fall into place. You know, don't take things too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. And if you really need help, don't be afraid to ask. We've all been there. I love it. That's so great. And like you said, if you love what you do, I think that's the biggest key, not just with teaching, but with anything. And that's what I always try to tell my kids is like, what are you passionate about? And because that's what you need to pursue in a career. And I think obviously just from listening to you and to your answers here, it's obvious that you love what you do and, and working with your kids there. And so tell me about what big project you're working on that you're hoping to accomplish here this school year. Oh, I've got lots of things tinkering around. Um, personally, I am I'm planning to start my, my specialist degree in uh, school leadership. I've thought about pursuing an administrative certification for a long time, and so many of my school leaders and administrators and colleagues have encouraged me to over the past couple of years. So I'm finally ready to start that chapter and, and take that leap. Um, while I don't know where that will lead me to next, um, I'm just, I'm really excited to take that step and see where it goes. Uh, professionally, I just want to continue to, uh, to help my school be a better place for students to learn and for the staff members to work. Um, I really want to help the other schools in my district, um, you know, come to Renaissance and embrace it. Um, I want to share everything I know with them, not just, you know, to take it on as another program or initiative, but really just, you know, look at it as a way of treating students and staff and your school community members. You know, like I said before, helping people to understand that Renaissance is not another thing that you have to do. It's a way of doing things, you know, um, that really can make a, a, an impactful, you know, difference in your school. So cool. And you know what degree comes after the specialist degree, right? Um, I sure do. <laughs> right. Dr. Hedenberg, you know, that kind of has a cool ring to it, right? Yeah. No, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go for it. That's so awesome. And you would make a great administrator. So yeah, I wish you nothing but the best on that. So Melinda, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that your time is very, very valuable and you're joining us here on your planning period here this morning. So thanks for being a guest here on the podcast this morning. Thanks so much, PC. It was my pleasure. For sure. And we're going to be in your area in December. Your celebrity crush, Mike Smith and I will be there in December. Yes. So I look forward to seeing you then. Good. I can't wait to see you guys. I'm really excited. It'll be awesome, man. Guys, you've been listening to the Green Room Podcast Series. Thanks so much for tuning in. Chase your dreams, kids.